Good morning. Good morning. Um, we talked last week about Gaius, and his testimony, and, and uh, the things about him that people were noticing and that they would, that they saw and that they heard. And, and for Gaius, you know, this idea that he was faithful. He said, "You're you're faithful in what you're doing." He he he, did, he had action and. And he said that they talked about the love that he had. And what a, what a testimony that is. I want that, you know, to be said about me. I, you know, I would hope that you would want that to be said about you, that you're faithful, that you actually do something, and that there's love. There's agape. There's agape love. Not just noise. They... They talked about, you know, these people that, that Gaius was being hospitable to, taking care of, and they were, they were people who went out for the sake of the name, for, this, for the name of Jesus. And we talked about this, that, you know, there are some who go, and there are some who send those who go, and both are just as important, and both share in the fruit that comes out of that. And so... We do our best here to send out and to give practical help and, and to do it well uh, as best as we can. So that's Gaius's testimony. Incredible guy and a guy that you would want to be, you know, friends with and, and, and just to know. Now today, we're going to look at a contrast to this guy, a radical contrast, as a matter of fact, a guy named Diotrephes. And, and it's actually kind of disturbing and why I found it disturbing is because this guy was in the church. You will see what I mean when we, when we read this. So let's, let's read it here, verses 9 and 10. He says, I wrote to the church, John says, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Like I said, the contrast between this guy and Gaius is like night and day. Who is this guy? Well, he, he's a leader in the church. He's got a position, he's got a role, he, he had some kind of, you know, responsibility and he could do things. He, he put people out of the church, it says. But John calls him out by name. And that's kind of interesting to think about. There were, there were some issues with him and, and John writes these words, he, he, he talks about this guy. And, and what were the issues? What, you know, just looking at these two verses, you can kind of get the picture of who he is. He had pride, he had ambition, he had this power thing that was going on. Like I said, what is disturbing to me is that that is in the church. Not our, not our church, of course. That doesn't happen here, of course. Right? Or could it? Why? Because we're humans and we're people, and this is, this is a guy, we, we, you know, different people and, and things that are happening. It says there, he loves to be first. 
the, the, the Greek word is actually philo, which is like phileo, loves, and proto. Love, number one, proto, like the prototype, the first one. He loved it. That's, what, that's where his love was. He wasn't like those who went out for the sake of the name. He loved for himself to be first. So whose name was he after? It wasn't after the name, the name of Jesus. He was after his own name, and that's what he was. Some of the translations say, loves to have the preeminence. They translate that word preeminence. And that's kind of an interesting thought. We'll, we'll, we'll get to more about that in a minute, but it, it's this idea of ambition. I want I want a place for myself. I want to be seen. I want everybody to know who I am. And, and I have to say, we've seen that through the years. People, they, they just want to be up front. They want to be seen. They want people to know who they are. They want people to see what they can do. Pastor Chuck, uh, Pastor Chuck said, in the church today, he says, there are people looking for a position for themselves for a place of power and authority, preeminence. You know, Jesus talked about the Pharisees, and, and it, he said, you know, they would, they would do these things, you know, they would pray on the street corners, they would make sure people saw what they put into the box, you know, the, their offerings. They, they did all these things. Why? He says, so they, they could be seen by men. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't going to see what you do. But that was their motivation. I'm doing this so that you can see what I'm doing. As soon as we start to think like that, it's, it's all over. We've, you, you know, how does it go? You, you, you've got your reward now. Your reward isn't in heaven anymore. It's right. You got it. You want people to see how cool you are? Okay, they see it now. That's all you get. You think about the disciples, right? Did did the disciples ever have this problem? That's why we joke about, you know, it being here in our church. Could that ever happen in our church? Yeah, it does, and it it can, and it will, and and all the rest of it. But but the disciples, maybe it makes us feel a little bit better because they had the same problem too, didn't they? Why do I say that? It says that they would argue about who was the greatest, they, they argued along the road. They're, they're like traveling with Jesus. And they argued along the road, who is the greatest? Who's the, who's the number one of us, of us, you know, stinky old fishermen? <laughs> Jesus just rebuked them, really, in, in a sense. He said to them, you know, if you want to be the greatest, what should you be? A servant. If you want to be the greatest of all, become the servant of all. That's what, that's what you see, it's upside down from the way the world thinks, the way our society and, and the, the world thinks is, you know, you got to be up there, number one. You got, you got to have the most likes, the most views, the most everything. And then you'll be number one. Jesus said, no, that's not the way it works in the kingdom. You need to be the servant. James Montgomery Boyce, who pastored in Philadelphia for many, many years, he said, the, he said this about pride, and, and really 
pride is kind of at the heart of this. He said, pride is the original and the greatest of all sins. He said it was the sin of Satan who desired to be like the Most High. That's what, that's what Satan wanted. He wanted that place. He wanted to be number one. When who really was number one? God was number one, always. That's why I think the heart of this message for me is this verse here. This guy, John the Baptist, said, he said these words. He said, he, speaking about Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. That's the heart of it. It's, it's about Jesus being one, number one. It's not about you and me being number one. Whenever it gets to that, we're, you know, we're losing the battle. Jesus has got to be number one. We've got to point to Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how you know, gifted we are, how many things we have, how much we can do, how much we can give, how much whatever. If it's not pointing to Jesus, it's for the wrong reasons. This guy, Diotrephes, he, he loved to be number one. He loved to have the preeminence. But John the Baptist, you know what? And, and what did Jesus say? I'm reminded... What did Jesus say about John the Baptist? You've got to speak a little. I'm, I'm 66. I, I can't hear you. That's right. He says, no one, there's no one greater than him uh, among those who are born of women. And, and, and why? Because he had this attitude. He knew where his priorities were. He knew who was number one. He didn't come out and say, come out and check me out. You know, I'm, I'm doing baptisms down here by the river. Come on down and check me out. And, you know, I, you know, I, I dress a little bit funny, but that's just so I'll get your attention. No, he said, you know what? There's someone coming after me that I, I, I can't even, you know, tie his shoe. So, so you and I... You know, we're, you know, we're prone to pride too. We're, we're, that's the human. Again, the, the, the original and the greatest of all sins. You and I have that living within us in the, the flesh. But John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease. That's not a message you hear in the world today, is it? I must increase. I must get bigger and better and badder. Colossians, Paul said, and he, that is Jesus, is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, who? He, Jesus, might have the preeminence in everything, that he might have the preeminence. Again, we have this guy now, he's in the church, and and he's not pointing to Jesus at all. He's pointing to himself. That's why, again, it's so disturbing. He's got this selfish ambition. Turn back a few pages to James, who was like the half-brother of Jesus. He wasn't like the half-brother. He was the half-brother of Jesus. Like, that's a, a common word that we throw in there just because we don't know what else to say. James chapter 3, verse 14 <clears throat> James says this, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote-unquote, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. 
For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Then he goes on to talk about the real wisdom that comes from heaven, that's pure. Selfish ambition. Warren Wiersbe said, you know, you want to be the boss. You want to, you want to have a, the name badge. You want to have the title. You want, to, you want to have things your own way. And he said this, sometimes the pastor forgets that the word minister means servant. It's this thing about power, isn't it? It's this thing about having the title. It's the thing about, you know, well, I'm, I'm a leader, and so therefore... I get this. Paul said in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. But, but again, this flesh, you know, you think, well, I'm better than that guy. But Paul says, no, they, this, is, this is turned around. Think of others better than yourself. And then he goes on in the, in the most incredible passage uh, in Speaking about Jesus Christ, he said, he, he said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Diotrephes was not following this admonition, obviously. He was following the ways of the world. He was following his own ideas, his own, you know, agenda. So he had this pride, he had this ambition, and, and then power kind of got a hold of him too. Power. How does that saying go about power? Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. We, we have this thing about power. We get power and we kind of goes to our head and we want to use it and misuse it and, and take it, you know, in, uh, advantage of certain things that we can do. David Guzik said, those who love to have the preeminence also love to use whatever power they have as a sword against others. I'm going to slice people up because I've got this power. I've got this, you know, this position now. Now, this isn't only in the church that this can happen, is it? It's, it's everywhere we go. And, and, and whatever kind of job that you have that I have. John says there in the beginning of verse 9, he says, I wrote to the church. Well, you wonder, like, what happened to the letter? And some people wonder and, and have said, you know, did Diotrephes destroy that letter? Did he suppress it? We don't know really what happened. He says, I wrote to the church. But we don't have that. And, and it's very possible that that's what he did. He suppressed it. He got rid of it. He said, I don't want people to read what, what John has to say. And we see this attitude. We know for sure because of what John says is that, is that Diotrephes, he failed to receive John and others. Isn't that what he says here? He refuses to welcome the brothers. He says in verse 9, he will have nothing to do with us. And the word means that he will not receive us. So you, you've got this guy now. And, 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 you know, this is like one of the last living apostles. John the apostle, the apostle of love. And this guy has decided that we don't want him coming to our church. We don't want him coming here. Something wrong with that, maybe? You think? 
It's obviously the opposite of hospitality, which is what leaders are really required to, to give in Titus chapter 1. So, so what was this guy's deal? What was he doing? What was, what, what's his issue? Well, he was worried about his place, his power. And, and he was threatened by a guy like John the Apostle. You know, we, we, we've been talking about John the Apostle for a long time, and, and the reason he's called the Apostle of Love because that's who he was, and that's what his heart was. And so to feel threatened by a guy like that, there's obviously a problem, right? So this guy, Diotrephes, he, he just did whatever he could to, to uh, protect himself. So John says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I have to call attention to this. Gaius, he, he pointed out what Gaius was doing, this faithful brother. But he said, I also have to point out what this guy's doing in the church. And, and, and John was, you know, he's not afraid to point out both, the good and the bad. You say, well, you know, okay, I can understand him and trying to encourage Gaius, and that's cool. But, but to point out what this other guy was doing, that, isn't that kind of offensive? You might hurt his feelings. But isn't that where we're at today? You can't say anything because you're going to hurt someone's feelings. You might, you know, hurt their whatever, their image or their self-image or whatever. And, and so we don't even confront anything that, that is wrong. And that is wrong. If we, if we have John the Beloved not being afraid to confront something that's wrong, well... That's a, that's a witness, that's an example for you and for me. If something's wrong, it's wrong. Sometimes thing, you know, things need to be said. It says that, that he was gossiping maliciously and, and he was spreading, uh, one version said, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Spreading malicious nonsense about us. That's literally what it says, like little bubbles that, you know, just, they're just nothing. It's just nonsense. Again, why is he doing this? To protect himself. It's like a smear campaign. You know... I'm, I'm reading these words, I'm studying this passage, and then I'm, you turn on the TV set and you see these political ads. I hate to say it, but it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. These, these you know, malicious nonsense. But I have to say it's from both sides. It's not just one side or the other, but you and I need to be discerning. But, but everything, you, you, they come on, they say, this is what they're going to do and this is what they're going to get is going to happen when they get in and all this and 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 how can you even know that so but 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 people believe it why because it's on tv everything on tv is true so this guy he's you know he's he's, he's spreading this malicious nonsense about john the apostle who you couldn't find a nicer guy starting this rumor, gossip, and whatever, and, and people, people hear that and they go, really? Tell me more. Like, what? What did he do? We have to be careful. This, this thing about gossip, you know, if they're not there to, to defend themselves, maybe we should say, you know what, I really don't want to get into that. That's not really a place I, I need to go right now. 
But that wasn't enough. Not only did he you know, spread this malicious nonsense, but he, he refused to welcome others. He, he said stuff about John, but then any others that were out, true disciples who were out traveling and teaching for the, na- for the sake of the name, he said, he said no, I don't, I don't want to take care of any of them either. And this guy's got some serious issues. And again, he's in the church. He's not out there somewhere. He's actually in the church. How could, how could this possibly happen? How did this develop? Now, did he start off like that? Probably not. He probably started off, you know, and it kind of gradually, you know, got to him and went to his head or whatever. But, it, but it's obvious he was like he had control. He was, he was very controlling. He's controlling, you know, these people who wanted to come and, and teach and share and, and minister. Why? Because he didn't want anybody to steal his place, his authority, his, the attention. He wanted the attention to be on himself. And not only that, but the last thing it says, that he, he puts them out of the church. He, he actually excommunicates them if, if, you want, if you want to know the term. He puts them out of the church. Because not only was John a threat, they're also a threat. These people that are in the church who would actually want to hear what these people would share and want to hear what John would share, let's get them out of the church because they're stirring things up, stirring things up and, and trying to mess things up and, and mess my situation up. So I'm going to get them out of the church. Now, he obviously had some kind of power, some kind of position. He was able to do that. And how did he do that? Probably spread malicious nonsense about them too. Well, that person has been doing this, so we really need to get them out of the church. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man, right? But... The, the, the Jews, the Pharisees, the, the, the religious leaders, they, they were not happy with it. They didn't like how it was done. They didn't, you know, ultimately they didn't like the attention being put on Jesus rather than on themselves. And it says there in John chapter 9, it says the Jews had decided, they had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. You're out of here. Why? Because they acknowledged that Jesus was the one, that he must increase and I must decrease. So this guy, he's like throwing people out of the church. But when you think about it, it's like the wrong guys are being thrown out. The wrong people are being thrown out. This guy should be thrown out and the rest, those others should be the ones who stay. We get it like mixed up. We get the wrong things happening and we make mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes. And I've probably had to speak to people in in, in both situations where maybe I was wrong about them and they should have stayed, or maybe I was right and they needed to go. You know, we've been here a lot, many, many years, you know, and so there have been people that have come around that, you know, you could just see they were, they had an agenda. Maybe they were going after the women in the church or something like that, that, that's been a common thing. It hasn't happened a lot, but there have been times when we had to say, you know what, you, you just don't belong here. 
But there have probably been also times when, you know, I said something that I shouldn't have said. And people left for, for the wrong reasons. And that saddens me. Warren Wearsby said that, that the New Testament does teach church discipline, but not a weapon for a dictator to use to protect himself. He says it's a tool for the congregation to use to promote purity and to glorify God, not a pastor throwing his weight around or leaders acting like a police court, but rather to rescue and to restore. The whole, the whole goal of it in the end is to, to bring them to a place of repentance and restoration, not just so you're going to get them out of here to get them out of my way, but they would, they would be restored 1 Corinthians, you know, the whole beginning chapters talk about that. They, they had to deal with the situation that they were not dealing with. But, but in the end, it was so that the, the, the people could be restored, not just get rid of them. Diotrephes, he had these issues, pride and ambition and power. And, and it was in the church. We study the Word of God because, because we want to know what we're supposed to do, what to look out for. You all need to know that. If, if, if I start acting like this guy, you better do something about it. Maybe you think I already am. I don't know. But the point is, is that Jesus is number one. It's not the pastor. It's not the elder. It's not the leader. It's not the worship singer. It's not any of those people. It's Jesus number one. One. We used to say that back in the 70s. We point, number one. We point to this guy. We point to Jesus, number one. And now we've learned that number one is this way. That's the way we are. That's the way. And, and that's just the flesh, really. That ambition, Paul talks about it in Galatians 5, it's the way of the flesh. That ambition, that me. But God help us that we would always always be a place where we point to Jesus. We point to him. He must increase and I must decrease. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's challenging and, and we are human and we're susceptible. We are frail. We have, even in our own flesh, that pride wants to to pop itself up from time to time. And Lord, protect us. Help us, Lord. We pray for your church, Lord, the, the church that's across this globe, Lord, that, that you would uh, be the preeminent one, firstborn, number one. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Let at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, uh, even within ourselves, we we want to we want to rise up and and yet. May we follow the example of John the Baptist, not this man, Diotrephes. 
We'll seek you first. Put you first. In my life, in my heart, in my ambition, it's not for me, it's for you. Help us in that, Lord, I pray. And dear Jesus, I thank you that you have saved us, those who have surrendered our lives to you, and you, and you have a plan, and you have a purpose, and you have a, a place you're preparing for us in heaven. And I look forward to that. I really do. And maybe there's some who have never surrendered, never given your hearts to Jesus. You can, and, and you can have that place in heaven as well. Where your sins would be completely forgiven by the, by the power of the cross of our Savior Jesus. And all you have to do is call out to him and surrender to him and ask him to come into your heart, your life. And he will come in. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, come into our hearts, come, to, come into our lives and, and be number one. I'm tired of running my own life. I want you to be the king. I'd follow you. Let you be on the throne. I'm tired of, of, of being on the throne of my own heart. Let you be the king, the, the one who calls the shots, the boss. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, please.